Today is Tuesday the 29th of August 2017. Thank you for stopping by. Actually, oops, I did it again. Um, today is actually Wednesday the 30th, but let's not talk about that. Um, apologies for no, no episode yesterday. Um, another one of those nights when I got home late from a, a, a really good meeting that I'll tell you more about in a minute. Um, and honestly, was just uh, just too tired, really. I um, had a few things I wanted to talk about, and I didn't think I would be doing them justice if I tried to handle it at, uh, you know, midnight naked. Um, so my meeting last night was actually with a couple of young vets who are um, working on a project around helping the dogs of homeless people um, in and around London. I had mentioned a few weeks ago that I had also met with somebody else who was the founder of an organisation that's trying to do a similar thing. Um, they're not part of the same organization, but, um, you know, I, uh, these young vets had reached out to me to have a meeting. Obviously they've heard about what we're doing at the Ralph and they wanted to talk about, you know, what we might be able to do together in the future. Um, <clears throat> so it was a really good meeting. It was very interesting because, you know, it really makes you understand a couple of things. One is about how much as some people are naive to it, um, there is unfortunately a lot of ego and politics around, uh, you know, even altruistic work and charity and non-profits and I think they would have been surprised by some of what they found in that regard. Um, the other thing was it was really you know I find myself trying to convey to them how they have to take um, uh, basically a startup founder entrepreneurial attitude <laughs> to what they're trying to do. The kind of thing of oh, I'm a vet, I'm just a vet, uh, this is a voluntary thing you know therefore somehow we, we can't, prof we shouldn't be professionalizing it or deploying the strategy really really well um and all of that stuff just isn't going to wash to give them the success that they're looking for and the, the long-term future that they're looking for with their their initiative so it was a very you know it was a very good conversation um and obviously we will stay in touch and we'll see with uh, when the ralph comes along in a year or so whether or how we can we can help them so that was that was kind of cool the the other thing yesterday was i finally managed to um published the Android version of my emergency medicine app. Um, I'm waiting for confirmation that it's definitely available in the Google Play Store and will then, you know, publicize it far and wide. <laughs> and that's certainly a milestone in, you know, it's been something that's been hanging around uh, for a long time um, in terms of the development of the Android version and then getting it finally published. So hopefully that is at least a job half done because the promotion and letting people know that it's available will be the other half of the job. Um, but we're, you know, we're making progress in that regard. And uh, also publish the updated version of the um, Apple iOS app, um, waiting for confirmation that they're happy for that. Um, you kind of have to wait for a review process. The other thing I wanted to um, touch on today was about learning from mistakes. Um, you know who you are, someone that's a real supporter and, you know, really lovely. Uh, we had a, an exchange yesterday around a case. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to say that I think it's fantastic when people can be honest and transparent and authentic about mistakes and look to learn from them, right? Because this philosophy of learning from every case, if we can, is really what it's meant to be about. One of the things that we're working hard on to to make sure we deliver at the Ralph is going to be a culture that is um, what some people refer to as a just culture, but I don't like that word myself, but basically it's a no blame culture. And rather what we're looking for is to say, 
if a, if an error has occurred, um, if there has been some incident that might have compromised patient safety, then how do we understand why that has occurred? And we treat that situation with fairness, accountability. So it's not that the person that made an error doesn't put their hands up and say, yes, I made a mistake. It's just that we're not blaming them and we're not punishing them and we're not making them feel bad about that. Um, so counter understanding why with fairness, accountability, and very, very importantly, then learning from that experience. Um, so that was a, a really cool exchange to so say, you know who you are, and I think it's amazing and uh, fantastic the way you were willing to discuss that. Cool. I'm going to sign off this segment. I'm going to pick up a second segment because I want to talk a little bit about leadership. Um, so I'll catch you in a minute. <laughs> Okay, so I'm back. The The other thing that happened yesterday was um, I mentioned a while ago that we're working on the designs around the hospital. And, you know, I think I took them to a place where I felt relatively comfortable with them. But given the complexity of what we're doing, you know, have always been keen to get the input of others. And so um, earlier in the week, I'd sent out the designs to a number of people um, to get their views on them, find out what areas they felt might be able to be improved, hopefully stand up to scrutiny for why some things are the way they are. And, um, you know, having that sort of collective input in terms of trying to make sure that we do get the best version of the designs that we are able to within the circumstances and constraints of, you know, the hospital's physical structure as it currently exists and also, you know, what we're able to, to fund but um, it kind of led me on to thinking about leadership, which coincided with an article that um, I came across yesterday that I thought was very re relevant and resonant to me as an individual, um, because it sort of speaks to the style of leadership that I sort of feel naturally most comfortable with, but I've never entirely been sure whether I should be doing something different or not in some ways. Um, so I wanted to just read you some clips off, um, some clips. <laughs> some bits from this article um, and if I can't get it in this one segment then I'll run into the next one as well. So it's entitled Who You Are Is How You Lead and it's by somebody known as Jesse Sostrin who I must admit I never come across before. I'm just going to literally read you some bits that I pulled out. So he says one of the most common questions I get as a leadership coach from my clients is what's your leadership philosophy? I tread lightly when answering because the simple sounding query is actually quite loaded. There's a real problem with this question because there is no unified philosophy of leadership, no one-size-fits-all mantra. Although textbooks can explain the differences between autocratic, participatory and laissez-faire modes of leadership, once you identify with a core concept, I tell people what to do, I involve people in what's important, I trust others to do what matters, personalization and nuance is lost. These and the many other approaches to leadership <clears throat> require emphasis on an exclusive set of ideas and related behaviours, which makes choosing just one and living by it difficult. To work around the limitation, emerging leaders are often advised to adapt a blend of styles, using a rotation of condition-specific leadership approaches to match the changing circumstances around them. Think of this approach to finding your philosophy as situational leadership. Although this may sound better than just pick one, it can feel like too big an ask especially for top performers in high-demand organizations who don't have the time or margin for error 
to engage in long cycles of trial and error and reflection in order to get the mix just right. After years of coaching and careful contemplation on the matter, I answer the question like this. An effective leadership style isn't a blend of academic theories or a sequence of buzzwords that resonate with you, or even that resonate with me. It's the simple act of you being who you are in the company of others. It's what you've experienced, who you are right now, and who you aim to be. Simply put, who you are is how you lead. To grow into your best version of a leader, start with a commitment to authenticity. Sustaining and enduring alignment between your values and your actions is vital. It's what lets you be you, and it serves as a bond of integrity that enables your followers to trust you. Increase the alignment between your values and behaviours by understanding what makes you tick, defining the specific values that animate you, then making them apparent to your clients and teams. This integrity will produce a more consistent, authentic expression of who you are in the moments that matter. There is nothing more distinctive than you, exercising the full measure of your character in both the small and crucial moments. By strengthening the alignment between your values and your actions, you give yourself the chance to fully make you ah <laughs> you give yourself the chance to fully make who you are how you lead sorry for tripping up at the end there it's not um <laughs> the easiest thing to read but you know i thought that was very i say it's very resonant to me really because i've often wondered about whether i should be sort of undergoing some sort of more <laughs> more theoretical research and training around leadership and management and these sort of things and it feels very very unnatural to me to do that and I think this article where he's basically saying, be authentic, align your core values with your behaviors. And that's kind of what you need to do is spot on. So look, um, take chances, be compassionate, live in a beautiful state. And I'll catch you later. Cheers. Bye bye.